Welcome back to Crazy Talk, the podcast where we explore people's journeys with mental health and mental illness and the wisdom that they've gained along the way, with me, Natasha Barrett. This week, one of my closest friends, Matt, joined me to talk about the crucial topic of therapy. As always, I've included a range of links to further resources in the episode description, so make sure to check those out and don't forget to subscribe to the show and follow our social accounts, where you can get updates and join in with conversations around mental health. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by my good friend Matt, um, and he's here to have um, an interesting conversation with me about therapy, which is naturally kind of one of the biggest topics when we're talking about mental health. Um, so, thank you so much, Matt, for offering to come on the podcast and talk about something so personal. Oh, you're you're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. Uh, so, to get started, I tend to ask everyone kind of the same question, like opening question when they come on the podcast, which is, um, can you tell us a little bit about your general experience with mental health um, and yeah, kind of what your relationship with that's been? Yeah, sure. So I'll start by explaining a little bit about myself, which will give sort of context to uh, some of the issues that I've had with mental health. So I'm currently um, studying an electrical engineering PhD at a UCL University College London. I'm in the final years of that now, sort of fourth year of my PhD. My mental health issue started sort of in the last year of my undergraduate degree, which um, is how we met. Me and Tash went to the same university, and so that's why we're friends and why I'm here right now. Um, during that undergraduate degree, that was also a four-year course, um, sort of an integrated master's thing. The last year of that uh, undergraduate was a particularly difficult year for me, um, partly owing to the fact that our particular university offered various courses that they shared at different universities. So I was actually travelling from my main university into London a lot, just for specific singular courses. Uh, And one of those courses was actually incredibly difficult. I was the only person from uh, my undergraduate uni to be taking that course at this other uni. There were people from other universities there as well, but I was the only one from my undergraduate uni. And it was not the best taught thing in the world. And I really struggled to keep up with that one. And it was the only module from my undergrad that I completely failed. Like I completely got below the 40% pass mark for it. But sort of in that final year towards the end, when all the exams was happening, I was really trying to push myself to sort of get that, um, get that class done, get the qualifications that I needed in that class, as well as juggling everything else. And basically, I burnt myself out at the end of that year and didn't really understand, I don't think, what had happened to me at the time. Um, It worked out fine in the end. I was good enough over everything else to still carry on and get my PhD at UCL and do what I've done now. But sort of that is the point that I go back to as saying that's when everything started to go a bit wrong with the mental health. I just finished my undergrad I was incredibly burnt out and then just went straight into a part-time job to try and earn some money over the summer holiday when really I should have taken a break and just had some time for myself 
and then went straight from that part-time job into a PhD when, again, what I really needed was some time off. And things just got generally worse from there, to be honest. Um, The first two years, really, of my PhD were kind of a gradual decline until I reached this point um, like halfway towards the end of my second year of the PhD, where I was just coming in every day, sitting down at the desk and not really doing anything. I didn't really have the motivation to work. I was still managing to sort of get up on time and get in, but the times that I was getting in were creeping later and later, and the times that I was going home were coming earlier and earlier. And I just reached a point where I needed to find help. And thankfully, I don't know this this is true for all universities, but generally the experience I've had of the two universities that I've been to is that there is a good amount of support there to at least get you started on the right track if you know where to find it. And so that's when I started getting my help. I went through certain avenues at my university, tried basically saying, I think I have some kind of I think something's wrong. I'm struggling to focus on my work. It's getting to the point where I may not be able to continue doing this PhD anymore. What can you do to help? Um, Thank you so much for sharing that, especially that it's something so personal. Um, I really appreciate you being so open about it. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense what you said as well about how when that pressure is building, whether it's work or university or home life, anything else that's going on, it can be such a kind of turning point when you first start to realise something's wrong and all of that pressure's built up. Um, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, also, I'm very interested in what you were saying about um, getting help at university if you know where to look. Mm. Um, so that's something I might come back to because I think that's definitely an interesting point. Um, I did want to ask as well whether this was whether that was kind of your the first thing that you tried when looking for something to help or for coping mechanisms, or was there sort of anything you tried on your own first, or anything else that you'd looked into? Um, I'm trying to remember the exact order of things at the moment i believe that i believe that the first thing i did was that i went for help at the university um because i'd sort of seen it advertised around the place we had not advertised the wrong word but there were sort of emails sent around to the various students mentioning you know if you're having issues there are places you can go there are people that you can talk to and so the first thing i had was just kind of this quick meeting with uh, one of the members of the student support team and they to be honest the first thing that they did was they said well perhaps this is something that you need to go to uh, a GP about to a doctor's about and so Mm -hmm. just gave me the encouragement first to not be embarrassed basically about booking a doctor's appointment to go and talk about these kinds of things helping me organize that appointment and then I went I went to my local GP Uh, and basically said, I think I have, you know, I think I have some kind of depression or some kind of anxiety. I'm struggling a lot with concentrating. I'm sleeping in a lot more than I want to, et cetera, things like that. Uh, And it was off at the back of that that I got um, some CBT, which was kind of the first uh, introduction I had really into, uh, into therapy. And how did you find CBT? Because that's something that I've been through before as well, amongst other things. Um, So, yeah, I'll let you kind of talk about how you found it first, maybe. CBT was an interesting one for me because I feel like I didn't really capitalise on it as much as I could have. 
Um, I feel like I, I feel CBT is one of those where the whole point is trying to sort of catalog your thoughts, right? And trying to figure out uh, constructive ways to deal with those thoughts, coping mechanisms, etc. I feel like I didn't really put in uh, the work on my side to make the most of that. I kind of just turned up to uh, talk to someone once every week, once every two weeks. And I, I feel like because I, I never really took home the messages or the stuff that we got to uh, in those meetings and what ended up happening for me, and that's by no means a statement on CBT at all. I think it was some a way that I was approaching it that I think was perhaps not the best course of action. And yeah. what ended up happening with the CBT really is when I started, of course, I was in a very dark place. Um, and then gradually over time, just because the nature of that I found with depression and anxiety is that they kind of they're very rarely a constant thing. There's something that kind of just naturally ebbs and flows. And it seemed to occur in my case with uh, the CBT was that I was in quite a dark place. And then my natural ebb just meant that I started coming out of that a bit. I started getting a bit better. And so it seems like in the CBT from week to week that I was gradually improving. And mm. the instructor I had was absolutely lovely fantastic man it was a great um institute but if i think back on it now i couldn't really say for me personally for cbt what i took away from that therapy um so it's a weird one for me it's not the one that i found the most useful but it is one that i i recognize as being very useful to some people and i kind of wish i knew now what i know about it you know, I wish I knew then what I know about it now and uh, yeah. could, could have made better use of that. Um, I think I um, I think I'd really agree with that. Actually, it sounds a little bit similar to my experience of CBT. Um, I should mention as well for anyone who's not familiar with it. CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Mm. Um, and like Matt said, it is about kind of changing behavior patterns. So I don't know if it was the same for you, but a lot of what it was with me was sort of different worksheets and activities and kind of like little tasks to do and things that are meant to kind of help sort of reprogram your thought processes. Um, but for me, I think didn't come away thinking it was life-changing. And I think part of that was because when I went into doing CBT, I was in such a completely confused state where I was just kind of having panic attacks continuously every waking moment and not really sleeping. So it was basically constant. Um, that my thoughts were so kind of all over the place that I when I went in, a lot of what they'd asked me before kind of going into activities was, right, so what triggers your anxiety? What triggers your panic attacks? Or why do you feel this way? Or tell us a bit about it. And I, I really, really struggled to answer those questions because I just didn't yeah. know why my brain was sort of behaving the way it was, why I was feeling the way I was, where it had come from. Um, and yeah, like you said, like it's different for everyone. Like some people, like I think both of us know a lot of people who's, who've really, really connected with CBT and it can be super powerful and super useful for people. Um, but yeah, I think my experience was similar that I was maybe wasn't in the right place for CBT, for starting CBT at the time when I went to it. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. It is, it, it is definitely tricky. Uh, CBT is one of those where it seems like you can 
because it's requiring you to be so critical of yourself, it does require you to be in that space where you have the faculty to analyze the stuff that's going on in your life right now or analyze um, things that happened in the past and try and make those connections. And yeah, I agree with that. I think probably when you start CBT, when you've just been referred to it, it's because you're in a very dark place at that time. This was the case for me. And I just wasn't in a position to think about those kind of things. It was one of those situations where you're sort of just turning up somewhere and you're going, I feel awful, please just fix fix mm. this. And in reality, you with CBT, you at least need to put a certain amount of work into that to do the fixing. You can't just click your fingers and it goes away. Um, like I, I would guess there's a certain amount of work that you, ha- like you have to put in in any kind of therapy because it's kind of like... The- the point of therapy that it is that like self-development but I yeah I absolutely agree with you um that with CBT it almost feels like it's more kind of tangible practical work that you have to put in um so yeah yeah just to kind of agree with everything you said basically that yeah that was exactly how I felt that I wasn't really in the place to put I wasn't self-aware enough to be able to put the work in that I needed to um yeah so I also wanted to ask kind of following on from that um let's talk about maybe other types of therapy or is there something else specific that you tried after trying CBT yeah so um so about about the same time as like shortly after I had the CBT um using the fact that I had had a GP diagnosis um that sort of opened up a lot more doors at UCL as to things that they could offer me so it's not UCL's fault as such but they have certain amounts of funding that they can allocate to these different kinds of uh, mental health uh, support for their students and again I imagine this is similar based on your university but in order to give that support they need proof that the student requires it and in my case that was something just as simple as I've been to the GP they said that they thought I needed CBT and that has carried me through every other piece of uh, support that I've received since. Um, The first thing was I had a short course of just one-on-one counselling, which was very traditional um, sort of a counselling setup, which was this individual at the psychology psychology, uh, support department at UCL. Um, And when I say it was a traditional counselling, I mean, it's just kind of like you're in a room with one other person, you're each sat on the sofa and you're, discussing elements of your life Um, talking through problems trying to come to the root of those problems that counseling that set of counseling wasn't sort of the main one that I found has helped me the most and we'll get onto that in a little bit but there are certain insights from that counseling that has still really stick with me still something that I refer back to a lot Um, which really helped put a lot of things in my personal life in perspective. Uh, I don't think I necessarily want to talk about those here because they are, uh, some of those revelations were based around sort of the relationships that I have with family members and sort of working out the underlying currents that are going on in some of those relationships, which it's one of those things when, yeah, it was definitely interesting to see uh, the counsellor sort of mention, well, do you think this person in your life is doing it because of this? And then suddenly just everything clicks into place and you go, yes, 
that is exactly why this person is acting this way. I don't understand why I didn't see that before. And having this insight has made it much easier for me to actually approach this person and deal with this relationship now in this context. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that was quite an interesting one for me. Ultimately, I was still struggling with a few issues with sort of maintaining regular work and stuff, even following those counselling sessions. Um, so what UCL did for me then is they actually suggested um, that they suggested that they could give me something called a specialist mentor, which is something that they offer. I don't know if it's specifically just for postgraduate students, but I know that the person who deals with me is primarily dealing with master students, PhDs, etc. But essentially, this is someone that is supplied to me through a company called Equality Focus. And their job is to try and help you manage your workload, organize self-organization, self-discipline, things like that. And so, but these people, these individuals are also well-trained in sort of counseling stuff as well. So it's sort of like having um, simultaneously a business advisor and a counsellor sort of rolled into one. Well, that sounds good, to be honest. <laughs> it's pretty great. And it's been the thing that has really helped me over these last two years or so. So um, I started um, sort of having sessions with uh, my equality focus advisor, I'm thinking like last March. So at the time of speaking, we're talking about uh, roughly 18 months ago. Um, and yeah, I was I was turning up at those initial meetings, just being like, I don't know how to work any day. I'm I'm turning up and sitting at the desk. Nothing's happening. I want to eat better. I want to work out more. I know these are all things that would really help with my mental health if I could just work out how to, you know, be a bit more active and things like that. Mm. And um, and yeah, we just started sitting down and started trying to approach things, breaking everything down and finding the smallest things that we can do each day that would start making things a bit better, a bit more manageable. And yeah. we we met, we would meet once a week, give or take the odd break here or there and just everything was iterative it was always sort of okay how has your week been what are the things that you've done that you're happy with what are the things that have maybe uh, not gone too well what can we learn about those things that haven't gone well why didn't that thing go well why is this thing causing you anxiety why could you not work well this day and what can we do to change that what can we do to adjust that so sort of the thing that really the thing that started with that, uh, I can remember sort of the very early sessions was, as I say, I was turning up in a situation, I can't work, I can't exercise, I don't know how to motivate myself, what is happening? Um, and we were sort of like, okay, well, my instructor was sort of, okay, well, what would you like to do? What kind of exercise would you like to do? So, well, I haven't done swimming in a while. I have a friend that does swimming. I used to do swimming a lot when I was younger. I've been trying to do the gym and that hasn't been working. So maybe something like swimming would help. So, okay, well, what's the first smallest thing we can do? We can probably look and see what places there are around you that lets you do swimming. What pools are there around you that you could go to? And sort of, yeah. okay, there's this one 
near my work that I could go to. I could go to that either early in the morning or late in the day. Okay, well, that's the first step. The next step would be maybe you go to that place one day this week. Let's put in a day. Let's say that Wednesday after work, you will go to this particular swimming pool and you will just ask about their membership. You'll ask about their open times. You'll ask about your membership. You don't have to go there. This is just the first thing that you can do. And it's moving in that direction. And then when you've done that, you can feel good about yourself because you've done that one small step. And we can build up from that. And that's really the structure that kind of everything that we've done uh, as part of that support has been. It's a lot of breaking stuff down into the very smallest manageable segments and trying to find ways that we can sort of fit those in and adjust those to achieve what we're going, what we want to achieve. And to sort Mm of not to, not to sound as if I'm bragging, but perhaps this will help people to know that you know things do get better if they're listening to this for those very reasons i was turning up at these meetings 18 months ago and i just had no motivation i couldn't do anything i was turning up to work at 10 or 11 and i was leaving at like four and just nothing was getting done and now i'm in a position which even in these unusual times that we're in which we've recording this advance so you'll know what I'm referring to um Mm -hmm. we I'm making fantastic progress with my thesis I've managed to adjust my workout to continue exercising at home my eating could be better but I know that I'm in a position now where I'm equipped with the mental tools that I need to attack those problems adjust those problems and I've already got this track record that I can look back at of all these things that I've achieved that seemed impossible months before. And it really is due to the support of my mentor that I've managed to realize those things, work out those mechanisms to break things down and approach problems and be better equipped than I was, than I was before, than I was a few months ago. Um, Sorry, I interrupted. (laughs) No problem, which is, which is really great. And I'm still meeting this mentor now. We're now meeting once a fortnight instead of once every week because I feel like I don't need that support as often anymore. Um, and yeah, I'm doing really well. <laughs> my, yeah, my, my tutor actually um, really likes reminding me of just sort of the amount that I'm doing now. And that actually supposedly uses me as an example for some of the newer people that they're having that are joining that are in the same position that I was 18 months ago of saying, mm-hmm. I know this can be done. I can tell you about another student. I won't use their name, obviously, because of, you know, client confidentiality and things like that. But they can give examples of saying that this definitely does get better. I can tell you from honesty that I'm dealing with another person who has been through the same stuff you have and they're doing really good now. So yeah all, all thanks to that well that's amazing news yeah. <laughs> amazing to hear. Um, I got a bit emotional this I think it's because you're like one of my best friends as well so I can kind of I'm aware of, of sort of bits of what you've been through over the last few years yeah and um, that was amazing I think also one of the best 
things about the way you've described it is that you've given the example of how much it's helped you to really encourage anyone else that's listening who is a little bit dubious about starting therapy um but also sort of the point that you've given a really great example of is that sometimes people will get recommended a certain type of therapy or a certain they'll go to a certain therapist for the first time and it won't click um, and I think a lot of people do that or they try something whether it's CBT or um, talking therapy or anything else or maybe they just have a therapist that they just don't click with or don't get on with and they think right that's it it's not going to help me or especially with the process for some people being so hard um, to get therapy sometimes that then they're thinking, oh, I've got to go through all of that again, and then they don't pursue it. Mm. Um, so it's really good to hear that a solid example of what it can be like if you're willing to, or, or if you're able to keep going and sort of bear in mind that it might take a few attempts. It's the same with um, when we did an episode on medication, we had um, a really similar conversation um, in a lot of things with mental health, it comes down to you try one thing and if it doesn't quite work, you try something else and you keep going until you find the combination or the coping mechanism or the support that really works for you um, and I feel like it's it almost sounds obvious when you talk about it but people don't especially people who are new to um, struggling with mental health issues they like not everyone does always know that so yeah I really appreciate that it's such a good example yeah no it's 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 very true it should be said that if you're sort of you're, you're struggling with the spot you've got in it right now and you have any sort of desire to, you know, I want this to go away, I want this to get better, then you do just have to keep trying until you find that therapy, you find that medication that works for you. The The unfortunate thing about mental health is it's not like other illnesses where you can just look at it in an X-ray or you can look at it under a microscope and go, oh, that's the thing, we'll just fix that. So much of it is ultimately guesswork and People are trained to try and make the best educated guesses that they can based on the symptoms that you're telling them, that you're presenting to them. But sometimes it's going to take a little bit of trial and error to get the right guess that you need that's going to help you. Um, sort of in that element of uh, finding the thing that works for you personally, like I feel the, the reason why this therapy, this equality-focused tutor has really assisted me is that I'm one of those people who used to think that sort of planning and deadlines and lists and things like that were huge sources of anxiety for me, so I would avoid making them at all costs, sort of this idea that self-discipline is self-punishment. But a lot of what I've worked out over the last few months is that for me personally, that couldn't be further from the truth. Like if I have stuff written down and I have times that I know that things are happening and I'm going to make myself do these things by these times, that actually counterintuitively removes a lot of the stress for me because suddenly stuff starts to feel like it's much more in control. And it also alleviates the guilt that I have that I feel when I feel like I'm never doing enough because I can look at this book or I can look at this list and see everything that I've done and go, no, this is fine here's the record of everything that I have. And I know that to some people, like some of my very close friends, that idea sounds terrifying. That sounds like the <laughs> worst possible thing you can do. But it does, you know, I know from experience that it does work for me. It seems harsh on the outside, but it's helped me no end over these last few months. So, Yeah, yeah I feel like the bottom line is that everyone is completely different and um it sounds silly but when you were talking about how um 
it's like mental health is quite different to kind of physical health in that way like it makes sense because if you I mean look at someone's skeleton for example they're all going to be like relatively the same but people's brains like there no one has the same mind or the same brain as other people and everyone will react to things differently so even when um, mental health relates to things like hormone levels like it's still going to affect different people in different ways because everyone everyone's mind works differently so I mean yeah that makes complete sense um, and it's yeah it's really helpful to be able to talk about that as well hopefully people will um, be able to relate to that um I feel like some of my other questions you basically already covered. Like you're really good at this. <laughs> you've done it really comprehensively. Um, I was thinking when you were talking about my experience of talking therapy, which is probably the only other one that I've tried. Mm. Um, which, again, I was, it was kind of similar to when we were talking about CBT. That I can see how it helped me in some ways, but it was almost more like kind of sticking like a like a plaster on something because at the time when I was really really struggling and there were certain things like family situations and all sorts of kind of very stressful things happening in my life at the time um the guy that did the therapy it was great just to have someone completely separate to talk to about everything and kind of vent yeah, once a week yeah. um but the thing that I found was that because that version of therapy that I had was very much just I mean he would barely ever say anything and I get that that's kind of how that therapy is structured. And he was a, he was a great therapist. Like, he was really lovely. Um, but it was that I would basically just sit and spout out like all of my feelings and everything that was going on each week to him, um, which was helpful because it chilled me out a little bit, helped me process things. But it meant that I was never I didn't feel like I was really making progress. Yeah. Whereas when you talked about um, the mental that you have now, um, that it's always about building up little things and developing like kind of improving things for you for you um and making things more manageable so that you can progress in different ways like that was I think what was missing for me when I went to that talking therapy because it was just talking about my problems rather than sort of learning how to change things how to make changes and, and that's something I've been kind of exploring on my own a little bit since then so um I think therapy is probably something I would come back to at some point um because yeah I think I've not quite I've to be honest I've probably not quite found the right therapy for me yet um although it's slight tangent and and not quite the same but I did try hypnotherapy last right. summer so I got hypnotized and I like full clarification I am the sort of person who was like uh, actually it's a bit of a contradiction because I'm like fully get excited about horoscopes and stuff but when it comes to something like hypnotherapy I was like no way is that gonna work like how are you gonna magically put me to sleep how is this gonna help like what it didn't and I thought of it as well like you see it in films where they hypnotize someone and then make them like run around like yeah, chicken yeah. weird noises <laughs> but it was um, a family friend of ours who is just utterly amazing in every way um, and she's the mum of someone I went to high school with so I've known her for a really really long time um, and she's recently trained as a hypnotherapist and so I was like Do you know what and at this point like someone that I trust and someone that I love and I am willing to try anything so it was when I'd kind of just had such a bad like panic episode that I'd run home to my mum's house in Cheshire because I just didn't know how to function and I just needed to be somewhere else where I could feel basically completely protected like a mm, kid again yeah. so I was there so she this this lady came around and she did basically like a really from what I remember it was quite like a generic um hypnotherapy designed to just help you relax and I yeah went in really skeptical and also very sleep deprived <laughs> but it was interesting because afterwards but I think the main thing for me was that 
aside from anything else, I just felt much calmer mm. afterwards. And I don't know whether that, like, I don't know enough about it to know how it works, but that was a positive for me. Um, but also it was really interesting because she talked about how um, I said, oh, I think I fell asleep in the middle. And she said, no, you didn't, you were talking to me. And because it's someone that I know well enough to not feel like they're kind of trying to trick me or anything, I was like, that is weird. I think, you, I don't know. It's like when you have conversations with people um, just as you're falling yeah. asleep and then you don't remember the conversation, but you had it. So you just like went that, into like a trance or just like subconsciously talking for a bit. Yeah, I think that was it. And it was very much her kind of saying kind of, like almost like when you listen to um, a guided meditation and it says kind of like really mm, relaxing mm. things said in, in a certain kind of voice to really soothe you. So that was really interesting. And um, I think it's also a little bit from what I've heard, I think it's also a little bit like meditation where you kind of need to practice yeah. it to get to a point where you kind of know what mindset to be in and you're more susceptible to the impact of it. Um, but that was super interesting. And I want to try it again because um, yeah, I found that really interesting to do. Um, so yeah, that was my hypnotherapy tangent. I had to get that in there because it's just a different type of therapy that I found very interesting. Of course. Well, the, um, the the point you made about uh, practicing, particularly around the idea of meditation, is something that I would like to touch on and expand a bit more. Because absolutely. with mental health and this kind of thing, I think a lot of people that don't that haven't had um, any kind of therapy before or perhaps you, you know don't know don't have a lot of friends that have gone through these things and are just approaching it brand new for the first time it is kind of assumed a bit that it's like uh some other kinds of uh medication or health things where there's going to be this one thing that kind of magically fixes it and then it goes away forever the relationship that i've had with mental health is definitely it's much more that it's something that needs to be trained and that the brain is like a muscle. It does take a certain amount of practice, uh, particularly if you're approaching this from a direction where you, you're not having the medication, your case isn't considered to be one of those where the medication is necessary. Uh, but even in cases where you are medicating, there's a certain amount of training, I think, involved in learning to cope um, with the issues that you've had. It's It's... One of the things that ha comes up a lot in sort of the stuff that I had with my quality training mentor is the idea that your emotions that you're having are not negative to the point where they have to be eradicated, if that makes sense. So if we take yeah. anxiety, for example, your anxiety isn't an inherently negative thing. Like you have anxiety for – you have evolved as an animal that has anxiety – for a reason and that's because anxiety helps you worry about potential things that could be dangerous for you warn you the ones that were perhaps too dangerous and should be avoided as well as also in certain cases trying to frighten you into doing action when you need to do that action now the point when you have an anxiety disorder is when that anxiety is arriving or being driven by things that ultimately are not that much of a threat to you but our mm. monkey brains, and that's a phrase that comes a lot in, up a lot in our meetings, our monkey brains have evolved to have the anxiety about there might be something out there that's going to eat me. And we haven't evolved to the point yet where we can work, where our brain knows the difference between the anxiety between the thing that's going to try and eat us and the anxiety of I need to hand in this paper by Tuesday. 
as far as your brain is concerned on a fear level, they are the same amount of fear. They are the same amount of anxiety. And so that's why you can sort of end up in these states where you're being overwhelmed by these anxieties about just kind of day-to-day life. And it's the, the training part comes in from recognizing that my brain is giving me anxiety about this thing. I recognize why it's doing that. Thank you for doing that, brain. I'm going to do something about that now. You can go away. Like, I don't, your anxiety has done your job. You can go away. You can go and be somewhere else. And that sounds like a very easy thing to do if you're sort of, you, you know, it, it's it's not that easy, you say. You know, if you're stuck deep in the rut of you're being overwhelmed with that anxiety, but that is something that you can train yourself to do. And if you're going down the, Uh, If you're going down the route of getting very into mindfulness, very into mind training, that is sort of the end goal of what that kind of therapy, what that kind of meditation is trying to achieve. Um, But it is much easier said than done. It definitely takes a lot of work to be able to uh, get to that level. Yeah, definitely. Um, But I think you're right that even knowing that that's something that is possible to do and that you're not stuck in the situation that you might be in currently um, is really, really powerful because um, it's it's something that I, what, I think before I went to CBT, it's one of the, probably one of the most useful things I got out of CBT actually was this concept of training your brain to work in different ways. And we talked about the same thing. I think you should call it like the crocodile brain. And but I know other people yeah. call it the monkey brain. I think there's lots of different names for it, but it's that like animalistic brain. Um, so yeah we talked about that and and basically she my therapist explained exactly how you've just explained it um but it was something that I had maybe a vague awareness of bits of that from probably like a psychology a level that I did Mm. a long time ago um but I think I never really considered the fact that when you're learning coping mechanisms or you're practicing reacting differently to triggers for anxiety or um OCD or anything else um it is that kind of training element in the same way um well yeah exactly how you've explained it um and that's something I think has given me a lot of like sounds very cheesy, but it's given me a lot of hope when I've been feeling my worst because it's made me feel like, okay, there's something that I can actively do and continue to build on, whether it's in therapy or in my own time to try and yeah, train myself basically to react to triggers or um, yeah, yeah, basically triggers to yeah, react to them differently. Um, and it's things like for me, when I feel myself starting to get anxious and a lot of my anxiety, to be honest, is about completely, either completely illogical things or things that I can't even put into words because they basically mm. don't exist, which is a super fun concept that I think many people are probably aware of. So one of the things in terms of like training that like kind of training my brain, um, something that CBT helped me a bit with um, is knowing when that anxiety is starting accepting that I'm beginning to feel like that and then sort of training myself to um like kick in certain coping mechanisms in terms of like ways of thinking things to remind myself like new thought patterns um and kind of mantras to tell myself and and things a lot of that to be honest that yeah I was taught at CBT um and that's been really helpful as well because I feel like to start with I thought you have to know what the trigger is in order to be able to fix it will train yourself out of being triggered by that certain thing um whereas for me yeah I've been able to start to learn how to accept that there isn't always a tangible trigger but then it's still I've still been able to kind of train myself to deal with that in a way um I think that 
makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I think it's important to say as well that it's really not one of those problems that kind of just disappears forever and you shouldn't make yourself feel awful when you have those bad days occasionally. The point of it is just to try and work out how to deal with the bad days when they come and how to try and make them impact you yet less because they're always going to come and you shouldn't uh, make it worse and make yourself feel worse by going, oh, this bad day has happened again. Am I back at square one? You're not back at square one. You're just having a bad day, a bad few days, a bad week. If you have learned ways to deal with it, you'll be able to get yourself back out of it maybe a bit quicker or maybe you'll just be able to get yourself back on your feet once it has has gone past a bit quicker yeah or it'll even just be a case of sometimes that you have those bad days you don't have them mm, as often as exactly. you used to or it's not every day and it can be a really slight change to start with and then you find that perhaps later in life when you're in um, a better place or you've learned some really good coping mechanisms or have therapy or medication or whatever else you're using um, that you just get those bad days every now and again and exactly like you said it doesn't mean that you're backsliding at all it's just kind of without sounding really negative in a way it's kind of part of who you are like it's part of how people work is that there's always going to be you're there's always going to be a situation that could happen that could suddenly throw you back into that um but it yeah it's about learning how to cope with it um and how to yeah kind of train yourself to deal with it um just something that i'm definitely still working on um but yeah it's really kind of promising to be able to yeah when you can recognize that that's something that you're making progress towards it's really comforting yeah there's this sort of fallacy that a lot of people fall into when it comes to concepts of self-improvement of a lot of us have this idea that when we're going to go and set our mind to do something progress towards that thing is going to be entirely linear so say for example mm. you know the easiest example that i can think of for this for an analogy is say you want to lose weight you just imagine that, okay, I'm, you know, this weight now, I'm going to be that weight in uh, 10 weeks time. It's just going to be a completely straight line down to do that. Anyone that's like even a professional uh, trainer will tell you that it just doesn't go like that. You have bits where it goes up, you have bits where it goes down. And all you can hope is that sort of the general trend goes in the direction that you want it to. And it has these bumps and dips and bits and pieces in between. And mental health can be a bit like that. You're trying to get to the state where you're a bit more stable, a bit more comfortable in yourself. And you're going to have these bumps and troughs, these good periods and these bad periods. But hopefully if everything's going according to plan, you're generally getting into the right direction. Yeah, it's actually um, one of my favorite phrases that I come across quite often on different mental health forums or social media accounts and things is um, literally that, that recovery mm. isn't linear, um, which I just find a really helpful phrase to keep repeating to myself when I'm struggling because it's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly how it works, um, that it is going to be ups and downs like that. Um, you've explained You're it perfectly. <laughs> um, there is, um, <laughs> thank you there's um well, yeah so one other thing i wanted to mm -hmm. touch on before we finish um and this might be something that you've experienced a lot or not really at all like that's fine um but i think for a lot of people and kind of in society as a whole we th there does exist kind of a stigma around therapy and it's something that granted is decreasing over time but maybe not decreasing as much um as it 
could be specifically in like different cultures and different communities as well um so it's definitely something that i think generally is still there um and i wondered whether that was something that had cropped up for you at all whether it was kind of internally um feeling um not super confident about going to try and get therapy to start with um or whether it was whether you kind of felt that more generally kind it of in society definitely well. has affected me in some degree i've mentioned much earlier that I kind of needed that little push to go to the GP in the first place to consider it a real enough condition, quote unquote, in order to request that help from uh, a GP and get and start the ball rolling in the direction that has helped me so much today. Um, in terms of my own personal family as well, me having these meetings and explaining what they were for, I explained it to my to my mother, and she basically said, "Well, don't." ever tell your dad about this because he won't want to know about it basically he'll be embarrassed about this so and that is still the case today like my dad doesn't know about these meetings that I'm having um so that is something that does unfortunately happen from uh from time to time it is as you say something that's improving I was able to talk about my I talked to my supervisor about sort of the meetings that I'm having and that wasn't an issue for my PhD or anything relating to work. In fact, he was very understanding and asked if there was anything that he could help to do about the situation. So, which was really nice to have that in my workplace, that kind of thing was being respected. Um, and I think generally speaking, mm -hmm. I'm just very lucky in the group of friends that I have of people that have all experienced some kind of, the majority of them have experienced some kind of mental health at some point or another. A lot of them have a lot of advice and know places to go and this kind of thing. We're all very understanding of each other's issues when they do crop up. So it's tricky, but there are people that out there that can understand you. And if you can find a way to reach out those to those people, if you are truly alone um, in your, you know, you don't know of anyone in your personal circle that can help, then there will be those out there that, do understand you if you can find them um and yeah as, even if it's just like online yeah, platforms yeah. as well i, I, I can't suggest any myself perhaps you know more about that than i do i'm not sure um not the top of my head but i'll have a bit of a look um and then we can um, include some links for different places to go on the i think the that's yeah i podcast. think that's a great idea uh but yeah as i say sort of the workplace environment generally has been improving a lot and sort of unis feel like they're doing a hell of a lot to try and understand um mental health and make it less stigmatized uh particularly because a lot of people going to university seem to be struggling with these kinds of things it's quite a stressful atmosphere so yeah yeah and you mentioned at the beginning about um like it might have just been kind of the way you phrased it but it was interesting to me about um getting help through mm. universities if you know where to look and um, and i feel like for it's different obviously like you said it's different with different universities it's different for different people's experience and different locations and and everything else um but i feel like that's something that maybe been starting to improve improve recently um that it's becoming a little bit more clear, at least within kind of education. I think probably in schools as well, um, that there's a little bit more signposting going on and students are more aware that that 
they they can ask for help and that therapy is something that there's usually at least some sort of counseling available through the university itself um, or some good signposting um, where they can direct you towards the right um, to you either to your own GP or to the right services um, outside of the university. Um, so yeah, I think that just kind of feeds into what you were talking about with things kind of yeah. slowly getting better. Um, but it's definitely something that I think it's really good to still to to be talking about more because there's still a little um, bit absolutely. Like, a long way to go yeah, there. It's definitely one of those things that I don't think you can ever really talk about it enough. To be honest. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Uh, the other thing I found interesting as well was what you said about your dad because I've got a very I think with my parents it's exactly the same mm. kind of split there um, my dad like he'll either just kind of be like oh lots of people people make money off anything these days like my sister um getting therapy for OCD um and he was just like like not in a not in a mm. kind of cruel way but he would just kind of found some of the things some of the activities that she was doing as part of that therapy he kind of like found them funny or didn't take it very seriously um and I think it's interesting because there's definitely kind of a gendered element of that as well I feel like where that stigma exists for everyone it maybe like from what I've seen seems to exist even more amongst the male population um I don't know whether you'd agree with that obviously you're more qualified to answer that than me um, but in terms of my male friends um and family members I found that there's a lot more sometimes a lot more judgment on men um seeking help for mental health um particularly with things like therapy um and i've seen a lot of people close to me a lot of men close to me kind of internalize that as well and struggle more with kind of feeling that they're weak or there's something wrong with them if they go to therapy um whereas my female friends probably do that yeah it's it i mean you're definitely right there definitely is uh, more of a stigma amongst men with my um my dad's um approach to it is not one of people are you know taking money from you it's more just a state of uh it would be a sign of embarrassment and weakness to know that one of his sons is having mm -hmm. this kind of treatment um and there's a bit of like there's this bit of stigma from my brother as well who sort of in these times where i'm working at home now has seen a few of the meetings or like overheard parts of the meetings that i'm having and has sort of been like what are you you know, what are you doing? Why are you talking about like your feelings and stuff all the time? That's a bit weird. That's what are, what are these meetings for? Um, so just explaining parts of that there. Yeah. It's just seen as this sign of weakness and it's just dumb <laughs> because I, I think being, I think being yeah, I so depressed that I couldn't do anything um, is weaker than the position I'm in now where I'm open to talk about my problems and, be able to work out how to tackle them so it's not a sign of weakness it's something that's helped me get stronger absolutely um, and I think a lot of people are aware with um, that stigma being so gendered it's a large part of what feeds into um, like male suicide mm. rates being higher um, so I mean it's just like just to emphasize that exactly what you said like it's um, completely like well in my opinion at least it's completely backwards and just not necessary and actually like dangerous and damaging um for that like stigma to exist because it then prevents people quite often from getting the help that they need um which can mm. then make things a lot worse like like you said um yeah so um slightly more positive note to end on um are there any kind of specific tips you can think of for someone who's maybe considering therapy for the first time wondering where to look um or how to do a bit of research um, or how to approach it I, I think the thing is if you're in a uni 
then there will definitely be places that can help you. Even like most of the universities that I've seen so far have a some sort of web page specifically dedicated to mental health and helping students with mental health. If you just type in your university's name followed by mental health, the chances are you will find something there. And that was a good starting place for me. It may be for you as well. Uh, and also don't underestimate um, the help that you can get sort of through a GP. Um, once again, we're in interesting times at the moment. So GPs may be under additional strain. The good thing is that this is the kind of treatment, at least in terms of the talking therapy and the counselling, that can be done over the phone. And so you'll have to look at your specific yeah. GP to see exactly what's going on in that respect. But if you do think you need help, if it is getting to the point where it's really affecting sort of being able to do the things you want to do, being able to work and so on, then that is serious enough to talk to someone. So give yourself the permission to reach out to a medical professional and find the help that you may need. Absolutely. Um, again, I am, feel like I've spent a lot of the podcast <laughs> just saying how much I agree with you. It's almost as if we're friends. That's fine. I know. <laughs> um, well, yeah, everything you said is absolutely spot on. Um, and also just what we've already talked about, that it might you might not find the perfect thing or the perfect solution um, straight away. It might take a few attempts to try different therapy, but don't be afraid to go back to your GP or your tutor at university or whoever it is, whether it's in the workplace or wherever else, um, and say, look, I've tried this. It's not perfect for me. I'd kind of like to try something else, but I'm really, you know, it, it doesn't, like saying that to someone doesn't mean that you're not putting all your effort in. Like that's a completely normal thing to do. And it's important that you um, sort of go through the options until you find the thing that really fits and suits you um yeah so that's probably a good place to finish uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about this it's such a like i said at the beginning it's such an important topic um i feel like we've covered so much ground we could probably go on talking about it for a while um but yeah that's probably a good place to finish I know you're, you're very welcome thank i've you really so enjoyed being on the show